Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. When we talk about the fact that a Christian should be a peacemaker, and I'm preparing this message, I read a comment that a person said, you're either a peacemaker or a troublemaker. Uh, which one? And I thought, oh, that's a little bit convicting there. Uh, you know, at times we can be one or the other, you know, depending on situations. It kind of reminded me of my childhood. Uh, grew up, had two brothers, and we grew up across the street from a, a park. There was a park over there, a playground, so we were constantly out there playing something, and there were always children and groups out there. And I can tell you what, uh, there was plenty of conflict and contention. There were times of peace, opportunities to be a peacemaker, there are times we were peacemakers, and then there were times we were troublemakers, and we were a little bit of both. And this morning, I want to encourage you from the Word of God, uh, I believe uh, from this passage that a Christian should be a peacemaker, should be a peacemaker. And so we're going to try to answer three questions this morning. I hope I can uh, give you some encouragement from this. Uh, the first one, we're going to see, what what is peace? What, what are we talking about when we say peace? Uh, the second one, what is a peacemaker? What is a peacemaker? And then the third one, why are peacemakers happy? Uh, where's the happiness that's involved in being a peacemaker? So uh, let's get into this. It says here in Matthew chapter 5, uh, we find here in verse 9, blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now keep in mind the word blessed means happy. Joyful, filled with bliss. So happy are the peacemakers. If you're a peacemaker, uh, then you're going to be happy. That's a key to happiness that we find here in this passage. So let's start here with the first one. Uh, what is peace? What is peace? Uh, the definition of peace that I was able to find says when two or more uh, conflicting sides come to an agreement is a basic definition of peace. Uh, now, peace is different than a truce. I'll point that out to you. Peace is different than a truce. Uh, you know, when you have a truce, uh, that means that fighting has stopped for a moment. But the two sides haven't come together. They, they've just agreed to come to a, a short, brief period where there's going to be no fighting. But there's not uh, any issue settled or anything like that. You know, we go through life, we make a lot of truces, right? And, and we think they're peace, but really they're nothing but truces. And then the problems come back again. Uh, peace is when fighting is concluded because issues are resolved and then sides come together. That's what peace is, and that's how peace comes in. You know, in the Bible, you'll find about 400 references to peace, which I think is interesting. Uh, you know, God, I believe, takes that important. Peace is important to God. You know, the Bible tells us that He's the God of peace. Uh, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit of peace. So I believe peace is something that is not only important to God, but should be important to us. But uh, here's where the problem comes in. We don't live in a world of peace, do we? We live in a world of turmoil. Let me give you some thoughts on that this morning. Uh, you know, the world has failed to find peace, even though I believe some have tried. And I, I don't want to... Um, Take away anyone's sincerity, because I do believe there are some that are sincerely trying to bring peace, uh, but they're failing, maybe because of the way they're going about it, or the fact they're not trusting in God in the matter. Uh, but what we find is the world has failed to bring peace. The kings, the presidents, the diplomats, the ambassadors, politicians, uh, everyone trying to bring peace uh, so far has failed. They have failed to bring peace uh, to this world. You know, after World War II, the United Nations uh, was established to bring peace to the world. Uh, I read a, a little tidbit the other day. It said, since they've been established, 
There's not been one single day of, day of peace in this world. There's been turmoil somewhere or a fight somewhere, uh, which is to show us that the world or, or trying to bring peace is something that is difficult to do, uh, really impossible to do is what we find. You know, the United States, and I love our country, thank God for our country, but you know, there's never been a generation, what we'd call a generation of peace. Each generation has had to fight a war or, or something taking place uh, in the country. Uh, and not only as far as nationwide, but how about we, we bring it a little bit closer to home. There's a lot of turmoil as we bring it closer to home. How about violence? You have domestic violence. You have gang-related violence. You even have just random violence. People just being violent randomly. Uh, there's a reason why you probably locked your door last night before you went to bed, right? It's because of the violence that's out there, the, the fear of someone coming and doing something they obviously should not be doing. That's why some people choose to arm themselves because of the violence that's out there, because there's no peace that's out there. You know, when it comes down to it, I guess I could just put it this way. We just can't get along with each other, can we? As human beings, we struggle to get along with each other. Uh, but we can even make it a little bit more personal. There are family breakups. Families are falling apart. Uh, there's problems in schools. There's fights in government, and there's even splits in churches at times. You know, it's just, we struggle to get along. Uh, there's constant marches, protests, sit-ins. Uh, there's always something going on. You know, folks, uh, I think it's safe to say we need peace, right? Our world needs peace. And this world needs peacemakers. As Christians, we can have an effect on this world because that's what this world needs. You know, I read a quote, I think that sums it up best. A quote says, about worldly peace, says this, uh, Peace is that glorious moment, or that glorious brief moment in history when everyone stops to reload. And I think that describes world peace kind of the way it is. It's just a short moment, there's a truce, but then there's more turmoil that just keeps coming. And maybe that you can relate to that. Maybe you see that in the world. Maybe for some, it's in your personal life. Maybe it's in business or in other areas. Uh, in reality, it's not peace. It's just a truce. It's just a, a stop fighting for a moment. And so this world needs peace. And that leads me to my next thought here. And this we're going to uh, begin turning to some scriptures. What is a peacemaker? What is a peacemaker? First, I believe a peacemaker is someone that has peace with God. You got to have peace with God. Let's let's look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let me show you some verses here this morning that uh, we'll see that first off that God is peace. That's, that's just who he is. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, and in this uh, portion this morning, I'm going to turn to a lot of scriptures uh, and hopefully uh, I'll try to slow down and give you a chance to, for those taking notes, I'll, I'll read them off to you. First uh, Corinthians 14 verse 33 says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. Now in this passage here, as far as the context, the, the church at Corinth, there was a whole bunch of turmoil within their church and there was dissension and part of it was they had uh, mistakenly used the gift of tongues and there was all sorts of confusion within the church. And here Paul is telling them that's not of God. If you find something that is confusing and you find confusion out there, you can be certain that's not God because he's not the author of confusion. Uh, I'll tell you what, the devil's the author of the confusion. He creates the confusion. But God is peace. And that's the way we find God being described. Let's go over to one more passage here, Romans chapter 15. Let's go back to Romans chapter 15. And in verse 33... 
Here he says, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I just wanted to point that reference out to you because Paul uses that. Uh, you also find that in Thessalonians as well. He refers to God as being the God of peace. The God of peace. Now, let me share something with you here. Peace with God, if you're going to have peace with God, is the result of what we call purity. You know, if you look at the Beatitudes, the one that came right before this one was the pure in heart. And then this one, the peacemakers. So if you're going to have peace with God, there has to be what we call purity. You'd have to have a pure heart before the Lord. And that comes with Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. So you have the God of Peace, and then He sent His Son, who the title given in Isaiah is the Prince of Peace. And and let's look here this morning at 1 Corinthians. I want to go back to 1 Corinthians, and let us look at this passage here, which shares with us how Christ works in the heart, and Christ is the one who brings peace uh, to people. And this is important here, because if you're going to be a peacemaker, you have to have peace with God. That's where it begins. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1 I want to begin reading in verses 12 through 14. He says here, Now that I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I of Apollos, I of Cephas, I of Christ, is Christ divided? Was Christ, or was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. I, and he says, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And then he goes on to talk about the, the power of the preaching of the gospel. Let me point out to you, part of the problem that they had at the church at Corinth was they had divisions. They had, some had exalted one man and another man, and, and there were just these problems within. And Paul's reminding them, that's not of Christ, okay? Christ is the Prince of Peace. And, and he, he pointed out, he goes, I didn't come to, to baptize. In other words, his whole point here is he wasn't come to exalt himself. He wasn't come to, so, so they could exalt him. He came preaching Christ so they could have things settled in their heart and they could be right with God. You know, Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says that it's Christ who brings peace into our heart. That he is the Prince of Peace. You know, uh, before you have peace, there has to be a conflict, right? Um, there has to be two sides going at it. And that's why peace is needed. Because if there wasn't a conflict, then that means you're already at peace. For someone who's without God or without Christ, if there's, they don't have a relationship with God, there's a conflict there. They're here, God's here. They may think things are going well, and they might be some days and some things. But if their relationship with God is missing, then there's conflict there. Their creator is not known. Their God is is unknown to them still. Christ was sent so that way there could be peace between God and man. And that's what he, why he died on the cross. That's why he gave his life on the cross. He died in place of sinners so that way sinners could be saved. You see, peace comes when you accept truth. Peace comes when you accept Christ and you receive Christ as your Savior. Let's go to Romans 5.1. Let me just show you what it says there at the beginning of that passage. So you can see it uh, in the scriptures here. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. I'll wait till you get there. Romans chapter 5. And it says here in verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is one of those uh, passages where there's a lot here. There's a lot here that we can just take in. But this morning, what I want to point out to you is the peace that comes through Jesus Christ. He says here, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the, the order here. You have to be justified by faith. Okay, Justified means being made right before God. Being made pure, being made holy. And that comes through faith, through believing on Jesus Christ. Doesn't come through your works, doesn't come through what you can do or what you will do, it comes through faith. And then, if you'll notice, you have peace with God. You have peace with God. In other words, Christ brings two sides together. He's the peacemaker. He is the, the perfect peacemaker. He brings two sides together, which is the sinner and God the Father. And he saves the soul, obviously, which allows someone to come into God's family, to be accepted before God. And there's peace now. There's peace. And so when you have peace with someone, uh, there's a lot that comes with that. Uh, let me illustrate this. I, I know I've, unfortunately, there have been family, family uh, quarrels. Uh, before Now, I'm not talking about my immediate family. I want to make this clear. I'm not talking about my immediate family, but I've seen family quarrels where, you know, they're not necessarily fist fights, but you can tell something's wrong when you're, in, you're around. I, I grew up with a large extended family. We'd go over for family reunions, and there'd be times where, you know, you knew one cousin wasn't talking to the other cousin, or one uncle was having problems with another one, and there wasn't a fist fight, didn't break out. But I can tell you, they, they sat on the opposite ends all the time, didn't talk to each other much, or they did, it was kind of real harsh, and you could tell something was wrong. Folks, there wasn't peace there. There was, there was a problem, there wasn't peace. But I remember going to family reunions when there was peace at times. And I tell you, the fellowship was sweet. Everyone enjoyed themselves, and there was a talking back and forth. There was what we call fellowship. You see, once you're saved and you have peace with God, you have you can fellowship with Him. You can talk with Him in prayer. He'll open up His Word to you. You have that relationship with God now, and that's what peace that Christ brings into your life. One of the one of the benefits that you have with being saved. And I want to encourage you this morning. The second step here is to maintain that peace. All right, maintain that peace, not your salvation. All right. Once you're saved, that's God's work. God will preserve you, I believe. Uh, you didn't save yourself, so you can't keep yourself saved. God takes care of that. What I mean by maintaining peace is maintaining that relationship with God where you have a peaceful relationship with Him. You see, when there's sin involved, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a hindrance. When there's sin involved, your prayer life's going to be affected. Reading the Bible is going to be affected. Your walk with God's going to be affected. And we want to maintain that peace. And in 1 John chapter 1, we have a passage here. I'll read it to you, which I believe gives us the direction on maintaining that peace and making sure that we keep that peace with God as we go through this world here in sin and in trouble. It says here in verse 5 of 1 John chapter 1, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. I'm going to stop there and, and I'll give you a few thoughts and we'll read this a uh, few other verses. But uh, first off, you'll notice that God is light. No darkness at all in him. He's pure. He's holy. He's righteous. No sin whatsoever in God. Nothing. 
just, just pure and holy. And once we're saved, we're forgiven of our sin. And the Bible tells us here that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, the key is walking in the light. Now, what light is there? The Bible tells us that the Word of God is light, is it not? That word, the, the Word of God, that Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, we find in Psalm 119, verse 105. You see, God has given, given us light right here. And that's His Word. You know, the Bible is God's revealed will for mankind. It's right here, the Word of God. It's your light, it's your lamp. And if you walk in this light, you walk in this light, you're going to be good. You're going to be in the light. And the key to that, of course, is reading the Bible, studying it, uh, and applying it. Living by the Bible, learning what it has to say, and then just living according to God's Word. You know, there's, there's been a trend recently. Some have said, we you know, we need to, to take the Bible and make it real. No, we need to read it and just live by it. That's what we need to do. And that's something I think that each of us is, is capable to do. Once you're saved, God's going to open up His Word to you. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Scriptures. As you read it and study it, He's going to guide and direct you. And He's going to give you the light you need on a daily basis. Give you the, night, the light you need as you go forward. Uh, you think of uh, an illustration of this as vehicles. You know, you have the lights on the vehicles. Uh, at night you drive. It doesn't light up the whole countryside, does it? Well, some lights, new lights might. But uh, for the most part, it lights up just enough so you can drive. You can make your turns. You can avoid anything that's in the way. Well, that's how God often leads us, too, in the light. You may say, well, God hasn't told me what's going to happen in 20 years. Well, you might not need to know what's going to happen in 20 years. Maybe He's going to return tomorrow. We don't need to worry about it. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But God will let you know right now what you need to get you through this day, to get you through this moment. It's His, His Word will guide and direct you. And so I encourage you to read His Word, to, to, to study it, get to know it, memorize it, and just make God's Word uh, part of your life. And then when you do that, uh, submit. I guess that's the key. There. Submit to God's will. Submit to God's will. Uh, I'll give you a story I read a while back that I thought was good on this. Um, there was a young man who was saved, trusted Christ as his Savior, uh, and he wanted to serve the Lord. But he was struggling with some peace in his heart on some things. He was just struggling with peace. And so what he determined to do, he took a, a piece of paper after he heard a message, wrote down on a piece of paper all the things that he would do that he could think of and all the things he would not do. And he went forward after the service and he prayed. And he had that paper there and he just gave it to God. And a couple months went by and he's, he didn't have peace. He still didn't have the peace he was looking for. So he went forward the next Sunday. He sat back and he wrote some notes and he, he thought, well, maybe it's because I'm not serving God the way I should. And he began to write things where he could minister and get involved in different areas of the church. And he went forward and he did the same thing and he prayed and gave it to God. And he, and he went back and he said a few months later, no peace. So he went and visited with his pastor, shared with his pastor what he had done. And the pastor shared with him and said, uh, how about you try this? How about you take a, the, take a piece of paper and leave it blank and just put your name at the bottom and then give that to God. And it said the young man said he got the point. And he went forward that next Sunday and he just gave his life to God. And he said he found peace that he was missing. You see, sometimes I think we, we think it's about what we do for God Instead about just giving God our life and letting Him work in us and provide the direction. Now, of course, there's place for service. There's place for action. But, you know, peace comes when we let God work and we submit to God's will and let God guide and let God direct. And so I encourage you to maintain that peace with God through His Word and through just 
seeking His will in your life and following Him. So that's the first, as far as what a peacemaker is. Uh, A peacemaker is one that has peace with God. Here's the second one. A peacemaker is one that helps others have peace with God. See, that's what a peacemaker is. It's an interesting word. It refers not only to to peacemaker for themselves, but it's an active peacemaker, something active. Let's go over to Romans chapter 10. I'm going to give you an example here this morning in the scriptures of peacemaking, of how you can help others have peace with God. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, uh, you know, verses 9 through 13, we find the excellent passage on what we'd call salvation and understanding you're saved and how to be saved. I'll read that to you here because I hope, hope everyone here is saved and you understand that you have things right with God. It says here that if thou shalt, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You notice the heart issue here. Believing, faith, it's a matter of, of the heart and trusting in Christ. Verse 11, for the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, what's so wonderful, I'm going to stop here for just a sec. What's so wonderful about this? You know, as a Christian, you can tell everyone you can be saved. doesn't matter what nationality they are. doesn't matter what country they grew up in. It doesn't matter what mistakes they may have made or may not have made or what career path they're going down. God is rich upon all that call upon Him. You see, God is in the saving business, so to speak, and God will save sinners. And that's a message that I can preach with confidence because it's not my message, it's God's. That God will save sinners. God will save whosoever shall call upon Him. And so I encourage you, first, to make sure you're saved, and then second, and you share that with others with confidence, that they can be saved. And that's what we're talking about here. A peacemaker is someone who helps others have peace with God. Let's go down a few verses here in this same passage, Romans chapter 10. Notice it says here in verse 14, How then shall they call on Him, and whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him, of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, uh, I had a lot of people in my life before I was saved that shared with me the gospel of peace. Now they didn't say, here's the gospel of peace, but they shared with me Christ. They shared with me how I could be saved. My parents, I thank the Lord for my parents who taught me about Christ. Sunday school teachers. I was pretty stubborn, so I had to have a lot of teachers, but they taught me about Christ. My pastor, who was the man who eventually led me to the Lord, preached and taught me about Christ. And I thank God every day that those people were peacemakers, is what they were. And that's what we can be. That's what we should be as Christians. We should strive to help others get right with God. Your family members, your friends, co-workers maybe, or, or, or someone you just might meet this week that you can help out. You can show them, here, you might be having a difficult time. You might have these troubles, but it's not the end of the world. There's Christ, and He can help you out. You see, we can help people have a relationship with Christ. Now, it's God who does the work. All right, God saves. We don't save. But we can bring people to God. 
We can teach them. We can show them so that they can have peace with God. And that's what I think a peacemaker is. One that helps others have peace. They lead people to Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Uh, A peacemaker will bring two sides together and we we know the answer and we can help others uh, with their problem. Here's a third one. A peacemaker is one that makes peace with others. Okay, makes peace with others. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You know, Jesus talked a lot about peace uh, in his earthly ministry and having peace with others. And I'm going to read a few verses here. Matthew chapter 5, verses 50, not 51, 21, excuse me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. He says here, You have heard that it was said uh, by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to thy altar, or to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Notice you know, what this passage is about, is getting things right in relationships, is it not? Having peace. And he's saying here, and you know, Christ... He got beyond the, the outer problem, right? You know, he got to the heart. He says, even if you have, notice what he says here, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. In other words, if you're just the anger that's there without a cause, there's a conflict there. Seek to settle it. Seek to get it resolved. Seek to take care of it. Uh, later in the book of Matthew chapter, well, later in this passage here, or this chapter, verses 44 through 45, he talks about how to resolve conflicts within the church, within families, and within members of the church. Uh, let's go down to that. He says here in verse, uh, or excuse me, verse 44. No, I'm sorry. Matthew 18 verses 15 through 17 is the conflict. This here is loving your enemies. And but that fits too, does it not? We should be loving our enemies. And that's something God has called upon us to do as far as peace. Uh, and by the way, let me, let me say, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. It's easy to love someone that is good to you or kind to you. It's more difficult to pray for someone that is ornery to you. But we should love our enemies. That, that, that's seeking peace. The, the passage I was referencing, though, is Matthew 18. I'll read that to you. Matthew chapter 18, in this passage, is solving problems here. Verses 15 of Matthew 18 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee two one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. You know, God doesn't want us to sit down here and fight against each other. If there is an issue that comes up, God wants it to be resolved. And here he gives the example of issues within a church. That if there's issues within a church, uh, God doesn't want someone who's been offended just to sit there and feel they have to take it. Okay? God wants you to be able to say, hey, there's something here. Let's just make sure this is settled. And, and that's 
what we find as far as solving problems and being a peacemaker. You see a peacemaker is someone who seeks ish to resolve issues, not creating issues or not holding on to things that make them more issues or more problems. You know, God really doesn't want us to, to be attacking each other and fighting each other. And, and that's your context is within the church. But we also find, as we went back to Matthew 5, just in general, we should have a love for one another. Just in general, we should be at peace with one another and seek to be at peace. I think more than anything else, as Christians, we should be an example of peace to this world. An example of a peacemaker. One who has peace with God. One who helps others have peace. And one who seeks to maintain peace in their life with other people. That's difficult to do, is it not? But with God, all things are possible. We can be peaceful and we can be peacemakers. Here's my last point here this morning. Why are the peacemakers happy? Why are they happy? And that takes us back to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. That means happy. Happy or joyful are the peacemakers. And then the last part of the verse, which gives us the answer here. For they shall be called the children of God. They shall be called the children of God. Now this is an interesting, interesting, what I would call passage or verse here. A child is an heir. In in the scriptures we find a child being an heir. One that is part of a family, belongs to a family. In this case, the family of God. Okay, a child of God. Uh, A child of God is one who belongs to God. One who is in God's family. And the way to get into God's family is through Christ. He's the one who forgives and you're brought into Christ, God's family. But here, in this verse here, this refers more to than just the relationship. Because you'll notice it says, they shall be called the children of God. Called the children of God. It's referring more to what we call a, a title, an honor, a dignity. And if you look here, we'll read it again, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Called the children of God. It refers to the honor of belonging to God. The the dignity of being a child of God. You know, titles are important to people today. Right? Titles. Some people seek titles. Try to get as many titles as they can, and that's what they're after. Uh, Some get a title, and that enables them maybe to do different things or go different places, and titles are important. You know, some will seek titles... Uh, I guess at, at all costs, that's what some will seek titles. And then you have some who are impressed with titles. You know, you have someone with a title, and they're impressed with the titles that are there. This here is a title, is what it is, it, it, that I think all Christians should seek after. It's a title that says, you belong to God. You shall be called the children of God, is what this title is. So let's just consider this for a moment. I, I guess uh, here's the challenge for Christians. What does the world think of you this morning? Do you have this title before the world, a child of God, because of the way you live? You see, we're not talking about your words or someone's words. We're talking about someone's conduct. A peacemaker. A peacemaker. A peacemaker will have this title. And so a peacemaker will have this title because they have peace with God first. Then they have peace with others. And then they're actively trying to bring people to God. That, that's what a peacemaker is. And so, to have this title, you've got to be active in all three to have this title, to be called this. And it's interesting here, he says, this is what brings happiness, the key to happiness, so to speak, is having this, not so much like a title that this is who I am, but being recognized, evidence. You know, uh, John, and First John talked about loving one another. 
And he, and he talked to that, about that being evidence of someone's Christianity, if they had love for the brethren. Then that showed that they belonged to God. Well, here in this passage, this is almost like evidence that one belongs to God, is that they're a peacemaker. That they're a peacemaker, that they have peace of God, and that they're actively promoting peace. And it's almost like a, a, a key to the happiness that you have. So in closing here this morning, let me wrap it up here. We want to make sure we have this. Okay, There are three things we want to make sure we have. First, we want to make sure that we have peace with God. I want to make just really encourage you. Make sure you have peace with God this morning. Okay, Because if you don't have peace with God, I can tell you this, you're going to struggle in every single other relationship you have. Okay, If you don't have peace with God, you're going to have problems with others eventually. You may have some days that are good and some days that are bad, but you're going to struggle with this. Because if you don't have peace with God, how can you expect to have peace with someone else? God's your creator. And once you have peace with God, then your other relationships, you can have begin working on that peace or making sure there's peace there. But make sure you have peace with God. That comes through Jesus Christ and receiving Him as your Savior. The secondly, you want to maintain that peace with God. All right, Make sure you're walking with God, you're in the Word, you're maintaining that walk, obeying God, basically, just, just trusting Him on a daily basis. And then you want to be a peacemaker, Help others have this peace. If you know someone else that's struggling, you can help them. Uh, and then obviously you want to be peaceful with each other, maintaining this peace. You know, I asked at the very beginning, you know, or not asked, but I, I shared the thought. You're either a peacemaker or a troublemaker. I told you how that convicted my heart. And this morning, that's a good way to close it. Uh, we can examine our heart sometimes and say, which one are we? Are we making peace? Or are we creating problems? in our relationships, or even before God. So this morning, let's make sure we're peacemakers. Let's make sure that we know God and that we are making peace with others. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.